good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host and I am very, very, very excited about um, who we have on today. So this has um, been a, a very, um, well it's been requested that I, I uh, have this unbelievable special guest on and I'm very excited to have her on today. Um, my, um, my life wouldn't be the same without this person in it. And, uh, oh, I just froze. Whoops. Whoa. Froze there for a second. So I want to, um, welcome my amazing, beautiful wife and business partner and partner in everything. Jill Walls to the show. Jill, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to have you here. So, um, she, Jill, Jill, um, kicked and screamed and fought and did not want to be on the show. <laughs> and I said, <clears throat> Hey, Megan DiMartino. Mike Scott said, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> Chuck Studebaker, <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, and everybody's saying good morning to you and not me. That's not, that's not cool. Um, so I'm just kidding. So listen, I want everybody, because I brag to our clients, I brag to friends, I brag to everybody about how amazing my wife is how how brilliant she is when it comes to a lot of things and i want to take this opportunity for everybody to get to know jill she's the brains behind the scenes and today we have her on the show so i'm pretty excited so um let's um <laughs> chuck Chuck Studebaker said, best walls on the show. Oh, oh thanks. <laughs> so um, let's go ahead and get started and talk about Jill. Thank Ginger. We love you too. Hey, Robert, how you doing? So, so listen, Jill, let's start with, as you know, you and I were talking about this show. What was it? Back in April, I think. And yeah, a we long were, time ago. We were talking about... I started talking about I wanted to do a show that I had signed up with Binge Networks TV and and um, <laughs> there's so many comments um, but I had signed up with Binge to have a channel on Binge Networks and I'm like I've got to come up with a show idea I really want to do something and I said maybe if I can interview some people and talk about how they've had breakthroughs in life and you said you could call it breakthrough walls. <laughs> I'm like, that's genius. So Jill came up with this show name and I want you guys to see how blessed I am to have her in, in my business and in my life. And, and I'm very grateful. So Jill, why don't you start with telling everybody where you were born and raised? Well, first of all, I want to say hi to everybody. <laughs> I see you all uh, all the time. You just don't usually see me. Uh, Mike Scott, good morning. Um, Chuck Studebaker, I have to say, uh, Gwinnett County is really losing out not having you on their school board, but that just means greater things are ahead for you, sir. You are an amazing person. Megan Martino, Ginger, uh, good morning to you beautiful ladies. Um, it's great to have everybody on this morning. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, yes, I was kind of kicking and screaming because I, at this point in my career, early on I was in front of the camera a lot. So now I am enjoying being behind the scenes and allowing Ken to be front and center because he is uh, really dynamite at that. But I um I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, my uh, both sets of my great grandparents came over from Germany and Hungary, respectively. Um, they settled one settled in Pittsburgh, one settled in Cleveland. So the the Browns Pittsburgh Steelers rivalry uh, was real from the very beginning of life for me. Um, but we moved to Erie, Pennsylvania when I was about one and I spent until almost high school there. So that um, I went um, to Fairview 
And that is really um, a, a very special place for me. I, I grew up in, in the greatest neighborhood ever. There were kids everywhere and it was very family oriented. We went to the beach every day. We had a sailboat and I grew up sailing on Lake Erie. And it was uh, it was just really the the um, rainbows and unicorns childhood until um, my brother was six years old and he got a throat infection. And um, I can remember my parents came home from taking him to the doctor and I was staying with a girlfriend of mine and they sat me down and told me that he was diagnosed with leukemia. And um, at that point, kind of everything changed. And one, one thing that has followed me throughout my life and continues to uh, be front and center for me is that a positive mental attitude plays a role in so much in your life, not only in your success, but in your health. And my brother is now 45 years old today, and he has battled cancer on and off since he was six years old. And yet you talk to him and he's never down one day. He never questions. His faith is strong and his resilience and his positive mental attitude has really positively impacted his health results as well. So, you know, I, I come from a very, very tight family. Um, my father taught me a very strong work ethic. Um, my mother and father were a unit. And Hold, hold um, it, hold it. I'm going to interrupt you. I want to talk about your work ethic a little bit. <laughs> um, because, like, I, <laughs> okay, so she is a lunatic when it comes to working. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. Like, there is nobody I have ever met in my life that will work as hard as the woman y'all are watching right now. Like, she is, and I mean that, like, there will be times when, you know, we're on a deadline with a client or we have to just something pressing has to be done. And I have watched her stay up until five or six. I've, a couple of times she's literally stayed up all night working on a project, not going to sleep, then going the entire next day, taking care of our little girl and 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 being a wife and everything else. She is absolutely the work ethic this woman has is is second to nobody I've ever seen. So I just had to say that and give you props for that. Uh, well, thanks. Uh, you know, our clients deserve the very best. And so I want everything to be as great as it can be. And that means not um, rushing through it. It means doing whatever it takes to get it done right. So, yeah, you're, you're, um, you're and I have to say, that. Elizabeth, I love you too. I got your message this morning. That woman is amazing. Elizabeth Perez Oliveri. Hello. Good morning. You're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> so, so you, um, so, so continue. You were saying that, so you, your, your brother, who I agree is one of the most amazing people on planet earth. Um, like amazing. Like the guy has been through literally every form of cancer just about that you can imagine. And, and so many different times I know they've, the, the, the prognosis was not good. Like it was not going to be good, but let's go back to when he was six and you were 11 years old and, and all of that. What happened at that point? Well, um, we started, uh, treatments right away in Erie, Pennsylvania, and um, he relapsed a couple of times. And then my father was transferred to Ohio, where we live now. And so we went to Children's Hospital in Columbus, and they pretty much said there really wasn't anything that they could do, um, you know, just kind of uh, take him home and make him comfortable. And my mother, who is the strongest person that I know, and is probably one of uh, the most amazing women I know. If I'm half the mother that she is, I, I will be very lucky. She would not accept that. And so we found another hospital. We went to Cincinnati Children's and were under the care of an amazing medical team. Um, and basically they said he needs a bone marrow transplant. And this is 1984. So bone marrow transplantation at that point was still very experimental. Um, we had one of his first roommates in the hospital was eight years old and he had three 
siblings and they they tested them for him to have a bone marrow transplant and none of the three of them were a match and um, that little boy passed away and that was very very difficult for our entire family but you know I looked at my mom and dad and I said you know don't worry I'm a match and the doctor said well there's like a one in eight chance you're gonna match so don't get your hopes up and I said don't worry I match and so they they took us through the um, all of the tests, and sure enough, the doctor came back and said, you basically have identical twins five years apart, wow. which is unheard of. So wow. I donated my bone marrow. Um, he had a bone marrow transplant and uh, was cancer-free for one week shy of his cure date, which was almost five years later. And he relapsed in the central nervous system. And so his team from Cincinnati went to California. They had a big powwow out there to try to determine how best to treat him. And they came back and developed a protocol. And he was cancer-free for a number of years. It's only been in the last probably, I'd say maybe, gosh. So wait, 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 wait. So you you did the bone marrow transplant. Yes. And and for those of you who don't know what that is um, or what is entailed in that, Jill, maybe you could explain what what they do to do the bone marrow transplant. You were 11 years old. No, actually, at, at the time of the bone marrow transplant, I was 15. Oh, you were 15. And Yeah. And my brother was 10. I got it. Okay. And so what what they do is they um, they they do about 400 aspirations out of the hip area and remove bone marrow from me and then just take it into, he was in a bubble room because they literally had to destroy all of his bone marrow. And um, they put it in a, almost like a blood bag and it found its way to, um, to the bone marrow found its own way to where it needed to go. And, and so uh, it took about 90 days for him to, start to generate bone marrow from my new bone marrow in there. So it, it, it really is a truly fascinating process. And love- thankfully, you know, he had been through so much at this point that, right. um, that really it was, uh, an easier surgery for him at that point in that particular procedure than it was for me. But, you know, that's something that I would do a hundred times over. Well, it's yeah. it's nothing. And that's, you you, you call it aspirations into yeah. the hip area, but that, that's literally, they drill into your hips. Well, they put, they put a thick needle in yeah. and they draw the bone marrow out. Right. And they need a dense, flat area, so that's why they use the right, hip area. Right, right, which is a very, very, very painful procedure for the, the, um, do, the donor. Yeah, but you know, it's it, the pain lasts just a little bit. It's it, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's 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 a cakewalk. Right, I understand. So so you did this, and you guys you were living in in Ohio at that point, right? Yes, okay. we lived. Um, my mom and my brother lived in the Ronald McDonald house for about ninety days, and my dad and I went back and forth from Marion. Okay. Uh, during that time. So. So you you grew up and and you know I uh, of course I know your your parents and um, you you had outside of that I mean you had a pretty pretty amazing childhood. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you did as a child that um, for for you know some of the things that you did the extracurricular activities and all of that. Well, my dad um, never had the opportunity to race soapbox derby cars, and he was a big car guy. So when when I was old enough, when I was 10, he and I built a soapbox derby car out of wood. And we raced it in our local race in Erie, Pennsylvania. And um, I got second place. No, maybe I got, I think I got third place my first year. And, and so we, you know, we, we stripped it down and we redid the whole thing and refinished it and, and worked side by side. And the next year we were neck and neck and, and I got second place. So I didn't get to go to Akron 
another kid that I raced with got to go to Akron, but I won a TV and trophies and all kinds of, you know, scholarships and things, which was really cool, but we weren't done. You know, my dad's like, we're not done. We're, we're, we want to, we want to do more of this. So we literally strapped the soapbox derby car onto the, the roof of our yellow Volvo station wagon. (laughs) And we drove over to Fort Wayne, Indiana, because in soapbox derby racing, there is the race, your, your local races, which go to Akron, but then there's another, uh, there's another type of racing that's, that's, um, called national derby rallies. And so you can go around the country and race at these different soapbox derby races and qualify for nationals. So our goal was to qualify for nationals. So we went over to Fort Wayne, Indiana, where my, um, where my great aunt and uncle lived and we raced and I'll never forget. I, I had a fever and I, I had a sore throat the night before. And the next morning I got up and, and we raced in Fort Wayne and I qualified for nationals. Wow. So a couple months later, again, we strapped the car to the top of the, the roof of the, of the station wagon and we drove to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we were racing against 96 other kids in my division. And we spent a week there and we were in a parade and they treated us like royalty, like rock stars. And I'll never forget my last race. You know, I was pretty small. I was a thin kid growing up. And at, at the last race, I couldn't make weight. And so <laughs> we're throwing in lead and we're throwing in my dad's change purse and everything we could find to throw in the car to be able to make weight. And we were racing in the dark and they had street lights. And so, um, I raced my last run for seventh versus seventh versus eighth place. And the kid I was racing against was a boy. And he looked at me and he said, you are never going to beat me. You're a girl. (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, you just watch me. (laughs) And I kicked his butt. (laughs) And I ended up getting seventh place at nationals um, out of 96 cars. And it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. One thing about my family is we do everything together. It is never about one of us. It's always about all of us. And I I think that that kind of leads into our work environment, right? And, and when, when we're working, whether it's in corporate America where I spent 18 years or a company like you and I working together, it, it can't be about one person. Everybody has different gifts and talents. Everybody has something different that they bring to the party. And it's really about working as a team to get the maximum benefit and to get the maximum support and to do your best. And that really was something that was instilled in me in a very, very young age. So, so you, you, you won seventh place. I did. Yeah. Seventh place at nationals in the soapbox derby, (laughs) which is unbelievable. Um, We still have that soapbox derby car in the garage. We've, we've, we've toted it around here and there. (laughs) We have no idea what to do with it. (laughs) I know Uh, we need to put the wheels on it and probably put Abigail in it or something. Yeah. Right. Um, Right. But so, so we, you know, you, you did that and, and you went to, to high school in um, Marion, Ohio, mm-hmm. um, Pleasant High School yes. and, and um, graduated from there. And, and Mike Scott says, what did your parents do for a living? You can go ahead and tell them that. Um, well, my dad um, worked at GTE, it was GTE then, and he was in charge of all the buildings in fleet in the Midwest area for Ohio and Pennsylvania. Um, so my mom actually um, stayed at home with us and she was my brother's primary caregiver. And and actually an interesting note is that my brother uh, also raced Soapbox Derby cars. You know, my, my parents' goal was to keep our lives as normal and as functioning normally as possible in the wake of his illness. And um, they really did a great job of setting an amazing example for tenacity and strength and and togetherness. And, you know, we're we're really a unit. And he actually ended up going to uh, Akron not once but twice with his soapbox derby car. So he did even better than I did. I told him that I my dad and I building building my cars 
gave him all the experience so that by the time they got to his, they had it down to a science. All right. So, so. <laughs> um, but, but my, my mother actually ended up going to nursing school when I was in high school and my brother was in junior high because she had spent so many years taking care of my brother when he was ill that um, she really had a calling to become a nurse. And so she graduated and they actually voted her speaker of her class um, when she got her RN um, when I was in college. So that was pretty, pretty amazing too. So, so you, um, so, I mean, you grew up in um, what I, I, I used to say kind of the, 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 father knows best TV show or the, the, the leave it to beaver kind of like just, a and your mother who stepped off of the right hand of God into this world, like she is always happy, always so, um, just, uh, caring, giving, loving, happy, like ha- really genuinely happy most of the time. Like it's insane. Like, so, and I, I, I love that about you and your family. So, so when, when you, um, so you, you graduated from high school, mm-hmm. um, you were, I, 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 you were a cheerleader in high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, you went to college. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go to college? I went to Ohio Northern University in Ada, Ohio, which nobody will know except the fact that Wilson footballs are made there. So all the NFL footballs are made in Ada, Ohio, and that is where I went to college. Right. Real small university, very, um, I don't want to say sheltered, but kind of, which was great. It's a, it's a private university, Methodist-oriented um, and, and I just absolutely got not only a great education there, but I had a great experience there. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I actually am doing in my career what I went to school for. Um, but I, but I had not only some great, um, professors there that taught me great principles. Um, I, I had some really great opportunities to do some amazing internships and that's really what set the stage for me being able to get good jobs after college. So, so as, so you went through college, you went to, um, and what was your, your, what did you, um, study in college? What was, um, I studied, um, marketing, I studied communications, public relations, and I double majored in French and I double majored in French because, my very first French teacher in high school, her name was Rebecca Brown, and she was probably the most amazing teacher I've ever had in my life. She said on the first day of French class in, in high school, if you say one word of English in this class, you will fail. <laughs> if you need to say something or you need help, raise your hand and I will help you. And she, it was all oral, like the first eight months of class, and, and I was so well prepared that by the time I got to college, I got to go to France with her and spend some time there and, and see amazing history. My parents made that opportunity available for me, which I know was not easy for them in the wake of all the medical bills, but, but they did it. Right. And uh, I went to college. I tested out of the first two years of college French. So my, I majored in it and my last two years were independent study. And, and it was great because I got out of college and I was able to do a, a little bit of a side hustle where uh, I was hired by companies to do French translation. And I got to travel and do some things for some companies that um, I would not have been able to do had I not had that great teacher in French. So I, I want to also stop for a second and thank everybody on Facebook who's been sharing this out. Like I keep seeing all these notifications of Elizabeth, all kinds of people. I know. Hi, Sandy McNichol. So thank you guys, all of you for sharing this. That's amazing. So, so Jill, you went to, uh, you got out of college and you, you went to work for a, um, what do you, what was it you started doing out of college? Uh, well, actually, my first job out of college is is kind of funny. I um, 
I didn't have a job right when I graduated. So a friend of mine from high school was working at the Columbus Zoo. So my first job out of college was giving camel rides at the Columbus Zoo. And I, I didn't do that for long because I, I ended up getting a great job. Um, we had started a public relations society of America chapter at my university and I was one of the officers and the Columbus chapter kind of glommed us in with all of their uh, graduates and put us in a resume pool. And I got a call from a gentleman who owned a pet food and supply retail chain. And I went down and I interviewed to be their advertising and marketing person. And I got the job. And my first day on the job, I went up and helped open a store in the Cleveland area in Willowick. And I worked for that company for three and a half years, and I did everything from cleaning up dog poop in aisle three to doing grand, huge grand openings and designing newspaper ads, writing radio scripts, doing television commercials. I really was immersed in the marketing and advertising world very quickly. And the key to my success was surrounding myself with great mentors. I found some amazing people that helped me along the way that really gave me some amazing guidance. And I already had the work ethic from when I was a kid. Being irresponsible, I didn't drink or do, I, I say I'm the squarest person ever because I never did drugs. I, I, I never drank alcohol. I never partied. Being irresponsible growing up for me was, was not an option. Um, our family unit just would not have um, um, settled for that. And we had so much going on and we were so grateful for what we had that um, um, the thought of embarrassing my parents or letting them down in any way just was never an option for me. So by the time I got out of college and found these, I really believe God sent them. I had these amazing mentors. They really set the stage for me to accomplish amazing things in my career. So, so you 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 started with this this pet food company, um, and you were in the pet industry for quite a while, right? Um, yeah, I actually stayed with them for about three and a half years, and um, they ended up being bought out by PetSmart. So when I joined there, we on my first day, we opened um, store six. And by the time I left there, uh, we were close to 30 stores. Wow. So it, retail is an amazing place to start because that is a pace. You know, marketing is a process. It doesn't really matter what you're marketing. It, the, the process is, and I'm very much a structure and process and systems person. Um, so I, I re what fascinates me is the strategy and, and the systems and processes behind the vehicle that is marketing whatever you're you're trying to sell. And and so what I love about retail is that that is a pace, man, and you can either hang or you can't. And if you know very quickly uh, and you learn very quickly how to not only survive in that environment, but to thrive. Well, and I, I want to say something. Hey, Richard Trevino. Richard said, OMG, yeah, this is the best guest of all time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Richard. So, <laughs> we love Richard. So so he he said true powerhouse right here. Why didn't he put powerhouses? <laughs> anyway, so now I'm kidding. But but like, you know, I got to say this, like, uh, again, back to the what you just said about retail. And I, I've never been in retail, nor will I ever be, um, because I've seen I've seen enough of it to go. Yeah, no. Um, but you we have a client that was doing a huge grand opening. I'm going to fast forward a little bit and then we'll go back. But um, Jill was pregnant with our daughter. I mean, like to the point of getting ready to pop pregnant. Like she was pregnant. Like it was, dude, it was go time. And it all happened to fall right around the, the time of this grand opening of our client that Jill had done all of the marketing prep for, all of the TV interviews, all of the, all of the marketing, everything, the PR, everything. 
and and they were having their grand opening. It was two days or three days. Three before, days before. Three yeah. days before I had so it. So before before Jill had our little one, Jill literally spent like fourteen hours on her feet wearing heels, unbelievably pregnant. Like really, I mean, she was re- she was due. And and she spent like 12 or 14 hours on her feet and heels at this grand opening and did not stop. We There were TV crews there, radio people there. It's a huge, huge, um, huge company. And, and so, you know, that but that's what that's what I'm talking about when it comes to this is about breaking through this. This show is about breaking through. And there are. People that that you know complain about this or that or they can't they can't get this done or they can't do and and I'm telling you this woman right here that y'all are looking at my my significant other my best half the brain like um, like Sandy McNichol just said she's the brains behind the walls like she really is and 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 she has a work ethic that is ridiculous like i was worried about the baby <laughs> and 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 she was worried about making sure that our client was taken care of and that that's that's just incredible so um but let's let's go back to you were in the pet food industry yeah you opened up uh, it sounds like at least 20 24 stores while you were there in three and a half right. years um, were those franchises or were they? No, corporate? they were all corporate stores. So we okay. did everything internally okay. and um, it was pretty much me and um, a, a couple people that I hired, Right. which was, you know, the, the, the couple that owned this company um, put a, a tremendous amount of faith in me um, to which for them, I will be eternally grateful um, to, to give that level of responsibility to a kid right out of college um, was kind of crazy probably, but I, I, um, I, I was in there. I didn't have a key to the office, but I would go in at six in the morning when the truck drivers were going in to, so that they could let me in, uh, because our warehouse was right behind the office. So I'd go in at six in the morning and I, and I would stay as long as I needed to, because I knew that I didn't know what I didn't know. So I had to surround myself with uh, and Johnny said this the other day, Johnny Wimbry. He said, "You know, you got to surround yourself with people that that are better brains than you, right? So that you can continue to get better." I knew I didn't know what I didn't know, so I knew I had to work harder to get there. Is that and is so that why you surrounded yourself with me? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yep. I'm just kidding. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Oh, come on, you're way smarter than me. But but the you know so. So you did that for a while, and then what? What when you left there? You said you were there for three and a half years. What was next? Well, I went to an advertising agency. Now, we're, hold it. Were you were I, you were you single this whole time? Uh, no, actually, I was not. Um, <laughs> I I was um, I married my college sweetheart about a year and a half a year and a half after college. And um, he had proposed to me when we were still in college. And I said, no, I said, I love you dearly, but I got to have something for myself first before I have something to give to somebody else. And I want to be on my own for at least the first year after college so that I can begin to build my career and be comfortable in my own skin before I share my life with somebody else. So I ended up, uh, we got married about a year and a half after, um, after college. We broke up for a while, which was actually good, but we got back together and we got married and it, it, it just wasn't a good fit. His goals for his life and the direction his life was taking him was in uh, the opposite direction from me, literally. So um, we parted ways, and um, I was 28 when um, I was single again, and um, and I spent a really long time being single. Actually, I never planned on getting married again. That so, is a true story. It's interesting. I, 
Yes. I, I when I met Jill, she had a big log home out on a, a bunch of acreage, and and one of those. I I told her. I said when I first pulled into your house, I was like, some like thirty nine or forty year old woman lives here, and I was looking for the little the little goose, the cement goose with the bonnet on the front porch. So good. She she didn't have one. <laughs> No, no, I did. I did though have a, a carved bear you in front of my log home that yeah. was waving. Yeah. So, so you um, and and I know that you ended up going to a um, you went to another company yep. and and you became the global vice president of marketing, right? Right, right. I, or was, I that, um, was that before? I, I, was that? Or was it the fair? I, I don't remember which. Well, one. actually, I went to the advertising agency because I wanted, I, I really knew, I was very strategic about my career. And I knew that I wanted to try different areas of the marketing field to see what would be the best fit for me and also position me well for my next promotion, right? And and unfortunately, you know, you've got to kind of jump around in your career. So I, I, um, I really... Uh, I really liked working for other people. I was never this person that was like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I can't work for somebody else. I, I, that is not, was never my mentality. So I was always looking for where I could A, add value, but I could also gain new experience and new skill sets that would position me for the next, the next jump in my career. So I was always very strategic about it. So I spent about a year in an advertising agency and, and that advertising agency ended up moving to Dallas. And one of my clients was the Ohio State Fair. And they asked me to come on board and be their marketing and public relations director because both their marketing person and their PR person were kind of leaving at the same time. So I ended up going there when I was 24 and I spent seven years there. And I always tell everybody, um, I am a big proponent of agriculture. I'm passionate about horses. Um, Ohio is a big farm state. Um, I love the fair industry. I love the people in the fair industry. That is the only job I have ever missed and the, and, and really the, the only job that is really ever tugged at my heartstrings because I just believe in it and I believe in agriculture and, and that is the basis for the fair industry. And, and I believe that, that that's the root of, of commerce and uh, is agriculture. So, so um, I you, spent seven years there and I, I absolutely loved it. So you were there for seven years? Yeah, seven years. Oh, I thought it was eight. I knew it was seven or eight, but yeah. So, so you were there, you were the director of marketing and, and I got to tell you guys that um, I see, the people in the fair industry are constantly reaching out to Jill asking for help. And I'm talking about ginormous fairs across the United States from every state in the country. Uh, and, and for example, last year, the last two years, Jill has played a very large part in the marketing for the Florida State Fair. You did all of the PR and some of the, a lot of the marketing for the Florida. State I did all Fair. the social media, social media and PR, right? Um, well, I did PR on site. Like I, I, I worked with the media a little bit on site, but my primary role was all of the social media promotions, contests, all of that. Right. So, so they flew Jill down. She was at the Florida state fair for way too long. Um, <laughs> It was like me and Abigail here at the house for, uh, I don't even know, what was it, 12 days or something yeah, ridiculous? Yeah. And And so she was down there and on TV, she was, she was you know, you, you went out to the, the, the various um, markets and, and you were, you were on, on TV promoting yeah. the Florida State Fair. Mike Scott said you need to help the California State I Fair. I would love to do that. Yeah, yeah. She, lo she loves the fair business. I love the fair industry, yeah. So, um, <laughs> Brian Hess is funny. I Hi, love Brian. Brian. He's such a good dude. Walls and walls and walls and walls. <laughs> so, yeah. so, um, so, you know, and, and I know that, so you ran the Ohio State Fair's marketing department for seven years. 
Um, you left there and you went back into the pet industry, I believe. Right. I, I had a tremendous opportunity. I, I was, um, I was the vice president of market, merchandising and marketing for Petland International, which had about 250 stores at the time, but they were both, uh, they were based in the United States and we also had stores in, in Europe and, and also in South America, literally worldwide. So I really had a tremendous opportunity to travel the world and help set up distribution networks and, um, recruit franchisees internationally. I did some translation uh, for our French franchisees. So that was really a, a fantastic opportunity. The gentleman that started Petland was an absolutely uh, dynamite guy. I mean, just salt of the earth, uh, great, great uh, values. The problem is, is in a franchise environment, the key to life there is compliance. And you either have a strong compliance program and have a strong franchise system, or you have what I call a consortium of independent operators. And that's what, in my opinion, Petland became. And so when you don't have the strict compliance of, um, of buying from uh, certain vendors and, and keeping that real tight, then, then things change. Right. And it, and so as things began to change, I got contacted for another opportunity for another big retail chain. And I ended up moving to Cleveland and became vice president of marketing for dots. And they were women's fashion. So it was size zero to 20 fast fashion. They had 450 stores. So I've, I've been very grateful for every position I've held because it's really positioned me to continue to grow and move and, and expand, right? So I spent um, about a year and a half there and um, opened up stores all over the country, did some amazing things with some amazing people, and then they actually ended up selling to a venture uh, a venture capital company to, to grow and expand in another direction, which since they don't exist anymore, which is incredibly unfortunate because the gentleman that started that business, what a great success story. He started selling jeans out of the back of his van and grew his company to 450 stores nationwide. And they were, and they were doing, they were doing over, over $500 million. Yeah, they, they were, it, it was a, it was a huge, it was a huge company and, and the family, was all involved in the business. They all played significant roles and they were really why the company had grown to where it was. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they had built this amazing company and then they were sold to an outside entity and, and that's when things, um, things changed. So after that, I, I decided I was gonna, I'd, I'd kind of done lots of different uh, facets of the of the business and I was going to go out on my own and I had some clients and one of my clients needed a website and um, and actually I got involved in this with this client because I was showing horses at the time I I'm a I'm a I'm passionate about horses and I I ride dressage and I had a couple of she, shows. hey just so you all know she's not lying she's very 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 passionate about horses. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to. So I, I was just... training and riding and showing. And so I got hooked up with this client through somebody I knew through showing horses and, and he needed a website and, and that's how I met this one. <laughs> she said this one. Yeah. Well, we, we met and, and a, a, a friend of a, a mutual, a, another mutual, brought him over and said, hey, this guy does websites. And so we met with him and, and for about an hour, and he's like, yeah, I do websites. And so he left, and I said, we cannot work with this guy. He's our competition. And she said, no, he really doesn't do marketing. He does more technology and, and, and web stuff. And so we, we kind of worked it out. and, and um, Let's tell, kind of let, let me tell him how we worked it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he he agreed to do the website for my client if I would have dinner with him. Yes, if uh, I, I and and at a significantly discounted rate. 
Right. So, so I, um, I, I said, I said, hey, I, I know how you can get a discount on this website. And she said, how? And I said, go to dinner with me. And so um, she agreed because it was a very significant discount. <laughs> so, so we went to dinner and we had a great dinner. And um, best first date ever. Huh? Best first date ever. It, it really was. It was a great time. And and I, I literally thought that I had found my sugar mama. <laughs> I was like, yes. I mean, this chick's got, I, 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 when I met her for the first time, I pull into her driveway and she's getting off of her John Deere tractor we wearing Daisy Duke shorts. Don't and tell this... people that. <laughs> well, you were. I was like, this is unbelievable. She's mowing her yard on her John Deere tractor. I was like, I'm in love. So, so, um, you know, this, this, um, and, and look. It was, you know, we have both Jill and I have our, our, we both have our, our, our strong suits. What? Ginger sleeping yeah. with the enemy. We both, we, that's right. We, both, we have our strong suits and, and, and one of mine is I'm good at collecting money when people owe us money and Jill, not so much. And, and so there was a, a thing with this, this, this company that, um, that you were doing all this work for that the dude wouldn't pay you. I may have threatened him. I'm not sure if I. Well, I, you I, have to you have to stop for a minute because after you did that website for my client, um, we we teamed up and started working together. That's right. Yep. And so that's how that all kind of came to pass. Is that you know you do the technology and sales and I'm strategy and creative. That's so right. we kind of decided. Why have two separate agencies when we could kind of team up right. and be full service? Right. So that's where we kind of, that's where we joined forces. That's so right. And, and, you know, we've done, I mean, you know, a lot of people think all we do are, are websites and that's so far from what we do. I mean, we do websites and Jill is unbelievably creative at, at these things. Um, but we do a lot more than that. We do, we do, uh, we do full blown marketing campaigns. We do social media stuff and social media training. And so, I mean, we do all kinds of stuff and, and, and Jill is behind a lot of the, the creative processes with that. And, you know, like she, she's brought so much to the table and I'm just going to say this, like. We got a phone call one time from a humongous company here. I mean, huge, multi-billion-dollar company here in, in Columbus, and 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 they they wanted her to do a a uh, a study. Uh, I don't even remember what it was. I remember they sent this thick book of all these these charts of people patterns that people walk through their facility. You know what I'm talking about, right, Kosai? Yeah. And 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 they wanted you to do some kind of a marketing study to help them place machines in the right places. Well, that's or what something. I I I worked I did a number of things for them. Yeah. That was but actually anyway, one of my first so clients. It was like a, it, 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 way beyond what I understood. I mean, way beyond what I understood. So, you know, I want to um I, I you know, I kind of want to I, I want to give you some massive props because you you get marketing like nobody I've ever seen. And, and we're almost at the end of the hour already. Jeez. Um, it's, we're, we're only 49, we're 49 minutes in. So I want to kind of wrap up here pretty soon. I want to, you know, want to ask you a couple of questions because, okay. you know, you've dealt with companies that are $500 million companies that you ran the marketing departments for with huge teams of people working for you and with you and, and dealt with outside agencies that you've brought in to help with some of those marketing elements. And, you know, you've seen um, for the last nine, 10 years that we've been together, working together, we've seen literally everything I think that is, is possible when it comes to companies, as far as huge companies we've worked with and still do work with to, to the smaller companies Thank you, Sandy Thanks, McNichol. Sandy. That's awesome. My brother Doug is on here. Your brother-in-law. <laughs> so, so um, you know, you've seen the the ups and the downs of these companies. 
what and and the people in them what do you think in your opinion is the number one thing that stops people and companies from getting through the unstuck the getting unstuck getting through the muck from from true success in their their business or their lives what do you think the number one thing is well I, honestly i think it's really a it's hard for people to be objective about their own brand right you're so immersed in what you're doing every day that a lot of times i really believe you need an outside objective eye to be able to give you an honest assessment of the situation and one of the things that that i I really am very grateful for is that I have and always have had the ability to be able to help a company see either a missed opportunity or a new opportunity. And, and because sometimes there's things that, that you're just so busy doing the day to day that you don't think about, Oh, what about this over here or what? So I, I sometimes think you just need an objective outside eye to give you an honest assessment and say, not that you're doing anything wrong, but what about this? So that phrase, what about this is, is a big deal in, in, for me. And the other thing is there are three, I call it my litmus test. Whether I'm designing a website, I'm putting together a marketing plan or I'm getting ready to do an interview with a with a big media outlet on camera. There are three, there's a litmus test and it's three components. Number one is think from the end, right? It doesn't really matter what you think. You have to look at it from the prospect, the customer, the viewer, whoever's watching, somebody who's gonna be reading what you've written. Think from the end. How is your message going to be received? How do you want it to be received? The second component to that is the meat is in the message. So, for example, what do you want people to know about you, your company, and then what do you want them to do? How do you want them to act? Do you want them to pick up the phone? Do you want them to fill out a form? Do you want them to schedule an appointment? The meat is in the message, right? So, so be succinct and be concise, but, but make a connection. And then the third component to that is strategy drives creative. And so you can be creative and do all these really impressive things, but if at the end of the day, the strategy behind it isn't getting you to your end goal, then you've missed the mark. There are a lot of agencies out there that are, that are doing beautiful work. But you, you look at the end of the commercial or the end of the video and you think, well, what, what was that about? What am I supposed to do now? So strategy has to drive creative. So those three components are really the litmus test. Think from the end, the meat is in the message, and strategy drives creative. And, and I, I, I'm going to tell you, I mean, <clears throat> Jill, Jill is, when I met her, I mean, her last position, her last company prior to um right before i met you um she was she was on on track to do you know a quarter of a million dollars a year in in salary and bonuses and and you know it was um that that I, that's why i thought i'd met my sugar mama <laughs> but but the the you know i mean you You've been recruited over and over and over. So many headhunters come after you all the time, trying to get you to to come and run their their marketing departments because of your experience and your knowledge and your know how. And and you know you've you've stuck it out in this thing that we we decided to do together years ago. And and it's not been easy. It's no, it been, hasn't. It's been a battle where. You know, a couple hundred thousand dollar a year salary coming in would definitely have made a difference. But we've, you know, talked and decided that that, you know, it, it would be better for us and our clients um, if if we just keep our heads down and keep pushing forward and plow through it. Um, so, you know, at, at, at some point, though, after we met, 
Um, was there anything just absolutely spectacular that happened for your life? Yeah. Well, we had Abigail. <laughs> and, you know, I, I have to Does admit, know you know, in, in full full disclosure, I, I am not a natural entrepreneur. That is definitely uh, Ken's. He's a natural entrepreneur. I I am not. And so I always tell people. Um, everybody says, oh, you're so lucky you work for yourself and you've got, you can work whenever you want. And I tell people, you know, never, number one, never underestimate the value of a consistent paycheck because there is that. And there's nothing wrong with working for somebody else. But at the same time, I tell people, I've never worked harder at any job than I do at this one. Never. Right. But I also never have seen the benefits and rewards and relationships and and all the the great things that have come from being an entrepreneur. So even though I'm not a natural entrepreneur, I'm a learned entrepreneur. And now I wouldn't go back for anything um, because the people that I've met and the clients that we get to do business with, all of you that are on here today that I see on social media that follow us and support us and we've really built an absolutely and are part of an amazing community of people that we learn from and all of you help make us better every day. So that's that's been worth every every hard moment. Yep, I I totally agree with that. So we we um back to Abigail. Yeah. yeah we had <laughs> We had Abigail and I, you know, I never, I never, um, I was that, I was that, uh, business person on the plane that whenever I would see a baby on the plane, I was totally annoyed. Right. <laughs> and so I never had any plans of having a child. Uh, that just wasn't, I was a career girl. Right. So along comes, um, surprise Abigail. And uh, she is, I always say she's the greatest gift I never knew I wanted. And, but I did always say that when you have a child, you don't really count anymore. It is all about her. And I knew that if I ever did have a child, I wanted to raise her. I did not want anyone else raising her. So, um, you know, Ken, uh, even though it was a struggle at times of him getting me to, to be a learned entrepreneur, um, it, it has been an absolute blessing to be able to be home with her and raise her. And it doesn't matter if I get one hour of sleep, as long as I'm there and present and able to be the mom that I want to be for her, that is my number one job. And I take that incredibly seriously and it is my number one priority. So, and she's amazing. She, she is. And, and, you know, you, you are an incredible mother. You're an incredible partner. Most of the time. <laughs> I'm kidding. Like, you know, no, look, fair. Look, it's it's um it's it's not easy being a husband and wife team. It's you know, we um we 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 lock horns a lot and and yes, we do. you know and you came from corporate America and I've you know, you've sat at these these billion dollar boardroom tables and ran the show and I've never sat at a billion dollar company or even a $500 million company's um, boardroom table. Um, and, and so you're a very, very strong woman um, and, and you're very set in your ways. And being an entrepreneur, you have to have flexibility. Like you just, you have to be flexible. And, right. and that's been, that's been, a, a, a point of contention at times, I would say, right? Yeah. Um, well, but, and I, I always, I, in, in, in full disclosure, I always say you're, you're way nicer than I am because for me, I, you know, I, I don't have to be best friends with everybody I work with, but my job is to do great work. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm a systems and processes person. I'm a planner and, and you're, you're more, um, you're more fluid and and you're more spontaneous. And so I also think that's what makes it a, it work because we help each other in each of those areas and we each have our strong points. So, uh, you know, I, I know that that um, that we there's still a lot more growing to do. And that's the exciting part is is that 
You know, we're always pushed to do more and learn more and try more. That that not only makes us better as business people, it makes us better as people people, right? Yep. So uh, I, I'm very grateful for that. But I gotta say to Mike Scott, yes, there's always a CTA when when and, and call to action. And in that meat, the meat is in the message. Understanding that the, whatever that message is, telling people who you are and what you do, whether it's you or your company, and then what giving them something to do next, right? So I, I say it's a it's a two part issue with the meat is in the message. You got to educate and then you got to motivate. So motivate them to act. So thank you for bringing that up. I, if I wasn't clear, uh, I, I wanted to clear that up for sure. So so with with uh, we're at the end of the hour, so I want to wrap this up. But um, if if you know the the person that um, and it's been a battle for us. I mean, it really has been a battle for us to, to, to get to where we are today. And I don't think people understand how much of a battle. I mean, we've lost cars, houses, we've given up so many things to, to continue to build our business and, and, and reinvest in it and, and, and get to a, a different level. We're both, um, both, both of us are avid learners and, and readers and, 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 you know, um, we're constantly pushing to get to the next level and, and we push each other and sometimes we piss each other off. <laughs> yep. Right. It's all part of it. It's all part of it. But, um, what, what's the, you know, to the person and I ask this of every guest, right? You already know this question, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, you know, to the person who's struggling right now, who, um, is, you know, maybe their electric's getting ready to be shut off or they're, they're, they can't feed their kids or they, um, they don't know, you know, maybe they, they, they have a, a car that's been repossessed or that it's going to be repossessed or they're in foreclosure or whatever the case may be, they're struggling and they can't figure it out. What would you say to that person if they reached out to you today one-on-one -on -one, and told you this big long sob story about how bad it is, what would you say to that person to help them get over the mental block, the hump? Well, I, I would say two things. First, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe that you can do it. Johnny Wimbry, who you had on the show the other day, said, said it beautifully. Stuff happens to everybody. Nobody is immune. Just because you make a lot of money, just because you have a huge following, does not make you immune. People get sick, bad stuff happens, life happens to everybody. We all put our pants on the same way. And so we all share a commonality of sometimes things go great and sometimes things are really hard. But you've gotta believe. You've got to believe that you can do it. You've got to believe that you're capable. You've got to believe that good things are coming. You've got to believe that if you do the next right thing, good things are coming. But you also have to be willing to work hard. And if that means you've got to go out and get a job at night while you're trying to get your gig going, then that's what you've got to do. Whatever it takes. Grant Cardone says this. You've got to do whatever it takes. And so you just take it one day at a time, though. It's you, the marathon isn't isn't run in one minute. You're going to have you, you have good times, but things are going to turn around. And there's there's one thing, actually, that I read this morning that I that I think is so pertinent today that I want to share with everybody. And it's by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And it says what we work for is what we become. Finding strength in the struggle, joy in the grind excitement in the challenge, always recognizing that the project of you is never finished because there is always more work to do. And, and I, I think, I think that that says it right there. You got to work hard. You got to believe and you got to keep going and do the next right thing. Because as long as you do that, good things are coming. Wow. So there you guys have it. That's my wife. There is Jill Rainey Walls, my wife, my business partner, and and partner in, in, in everything in life. So 
Um, Jill, thank you. I know you um, did not really want to be on the show, um, but a couple of people so, have okay. been, been for a while now saying you need to have Jill on. So I have now officially interviewed my amazing wife. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you you um, you, you getting on here and, and, and sharing your wisdom because you've got a lot of it. And and, and, th and thank you to everybody who's on the stream, who shared the stream, who continues to follow Ken, follow us, and continue to support us. All of you make us better every day, and we are so grateful for the great community that we have online through Facebook and all of social media. You know, we've been doing this a long time, and it, it always amazes me um, how much I feel a close connection with all of you, uh, because it, it, it just continues to grow and evolve. And uh, we appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Okay, well, listen, that's a wrap. Thank you, guys. Appreciate all of you. Jill, thank you for coming on the show and sharing with everybody. If you guys want to follow Jill, send her a friend request on Facebook. And she's on LinkedIn and, and Instagram. We're, we're working on getting her to use Instagram a little more. Um, but, but make sure you go follow her. And uh, Melissa Burrow, welcome. Yes, please go watch the replay. My wife shares some amazing marketing tips and a lot of wisdom. So thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks. Love you too. Hi, right. Jerry. Who? Jerry Acuff. Oh, Jerry Acuff. Hey, Jerry. All right, listen, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much. You all have a wonderful day. Thank you, Jill, again. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend, everybody. All righty.